Another installment of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera of KEGU 11 Sports. Thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time, welcome. Go ahead and check out some of the other episodes. Rate, subscribe to the podcast, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, anywhere you're at, go ahead and subscribe and rate it. Five stars would be nice. I would uh, very much appreciate that. Hey, if this is your first time, like I mentioned, go ahead and check out some of the other episodes that we have. Conversations with Houston sports figures from the present and the past. I think you'll like some of the content that we have. This is episode nine, and our guest is University of Houston basketball coach Kelvin Sampson. The Cougars ready for yet another exciting season over there on campus in the Fertitta Center. We were there a couple of weeks ago for the renaming of the court. Everyone's anxious to get this thing going. They had a they had an exhibition game the other night against Angelo State, and the Cougars performed very well, winning 106-42. to They open against Alabama State. In that game against Angelo State, though, Nate Hinton led the way, 18 points, 13 rebounds. He's going to be a star. We saw some flashes last year in the tournament and during the season. He's going to be a star for the Cougs this year. Marcus Sasser had 17. Quentin Grimes, the transfer from Kansas, local product. He had 16 points, so this is going to be a very, very exciting season, and we were fortunate that Coach decided to sit down with us to talk about life, how he's gotten to this point, and some of the things that you might not have known as he made his way over to the University of Houston. Check it out. On the eve of another season, University of Houston head men's basketball coach Kelvin Sampson joins me here on the podcast. Coach, how are you? I'm doing good. Daniel, how about yourself? I am good. Uh, The most important question for you is how's life as a grandfather? Best. I bet. the best. Um, uh, There's not an hour during the day that goes by uh, that my mind doesn't flash to something. My wife put up a – she just bought this tree swing uh, the other day. Uh, We've got this huge tree with these unbelievable limbs and uh, she looked at those limbs one day. That would be a great place to put a swing for Maisie. Perfect. So we got the swing up. We haven't had it just this last couple of days. It's been, the weather's been kind of crappy, but we'll get her over there. Uh, we actually changed houses. We, we, we owned a home over not far from NRG, and then we just bought a home in Bel Air. We got it bigger and got a pool in the back for one reason. Not us, for Maisie. Oh, I do, I do hear you are a fan of water sports, though. We'll get into that in a little bit Love later. water sports. Yeah. Love water sports. Love, uh, uh, just, I like being outdoors. Yeah. I love that. That's the total opposite of what you do for a living. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe I that's why. cooped up all the time. I know my dad's, uh, I have a two and a half year old, uh, and my dad's the same way. Just grandfather life is the best. Oh, every, yeah. every Every picture on the phone, it's been yeah. replaced. I mean, he's everywhere now. It's well, Kevin doesn't know it. The reason why... I, I named him, I got his uh, deal set up and um, everything was make sure that uh, he stays here because if he stays here, Maisie's here. <laughs> That's right. She's got a great personality. I see your daughter posting a whole bunch of pictures. Yeah, she fun. does. She's a, um, um, just a, I take her to the park a lot and as soon as she walks in, she looks at the little kids and goes, hey, hey, hey. That's it. 
And then, you know, protect your grandfather. You want them to say, hey, back. And they don't always. I said, did you hear? She said, hey. That's right. right? You, you get so defensive. I realized yeah, that as yeah, a father, too. It's yeah. like, hey, come on. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, reciprocate yeah. a little bit. That's, that's right. Um, well, that's great. I'm really happy for you that you Thank get to experience that. Yeah. But uh, this game of basketball, when did you fall in love with it? Do you remember the moment or back when you were younger? Yeah. Like, this, is, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Want to be well, my, my, I, I was lucky. Um, my, my, dad, my dad was my hero. I mean, he, he really was. Um, of course, if you, my mom had a little eight millimeter, um, little film thing that you flip over. Uh, and she, she would, and um, when my mom and dad passed away, I went and found all those. And uh, during that time, I, started, I, I put them on a reel and had them transferred over to um, um, VHS. Oh, yeah, nice. And, just, and, and so I could uh, watch them. And there were so many videos there of, uh, uh, me just following my dad around, but he was a high school basketball coach, and he coached at a school about 20 miles away from where we lived. So he would carpool with other teachers uh, uh, some mornings and um, um, before the season. Now during the season, I didn't get to see him much, but he always practiced on Saturdays, and and I knew what was going to happen on Saturday. We were going to get up. Um, he would cook breakfast for me. I had three sisters. I have a twin sister, an older sister, and a younger sister. So we, You're he, the only boy? Only boy. Okay. Only boy. Um, but I get to go to practice with him, and after practice, there was a gas station. Uh, gas stations then what, what like they are now. They didn't have 7-Elevens or any of that stuff. Right. Um, but they sold uh, uh, soda and uh, candy bars, and I'd go get a Red Rock 12-ounce soda and a Baby Ruth bar. And to this day, my still my favorite candy is Baby Ruth because that's what my dad would get. Is that right? Yeah. But um, I was a little boy, five, six, seven. He would uh, make me stand on the sideline, and he his he only he, he had a manager, and the manager's job was to babysit me to make sure I didn't run on the floor when the players were running up and down. Because you really wanted to. Yeah. 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 Well, I was always I dribbled the ball, and he said, "Hold the ball, Kelvin." Hold the ball, Kelvin. <laughs> and in the back of his mind, he's going, not really, keep working on your ball handling. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so it was those moments, right, that yeah. you kind of just fell, yeah. just kind of fell in love with the game. What was it about the game? Is it just being around your dad, or is it the fact well, that... Well, you know, basketball then, same as now, all the games were on Tuesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was a nurse, so she'd come home, and um, um, we were kind of latchkey kids. We'd come home from school and just wait for her to come home, because dad usually didn't come home till late. A lot of times wouldn't see him until um, the weekends because yeah. he'd leave before we woke up and he'd get home after we went to bed when we were small. And it was so far away. Yeah. yeah. And um, But every Tuesday and Friday night, uh, she'd haul it. We had a station wagon. And she'd put us in that station wagon and we'd drive to wherever his team was playing. And back then they sold everything in brown paper bags. So you had a bag of peanuts, brown paper bag, and they stapled the top of it. Oh, nice. How about that? Yeah. And then popcorn. You knew how good the popcorn was by how much grease was showing up oh, in that brown bag. I think that's still true, by the way. Yeah. If you get it in the movie theaters, <laughs> the more butter you put in it, yeah. I feel like that's the same way. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that. That's so great. I mean, what is it like for you to tell these stories now, just kind of looking back? Yeah. And well, that, that's it's important to have memories. You know, you know, you know, whether it's five years or eight years, whatever. You know, I'm I'm going to be. I know I'm on my last lap. You know, I'm not on my first lap, second lap, like my assistants, uh, Kel and those guys. Mm-hmm. They've got a whole career. They're in their career, and um, they, but they've got a whole career ahead of them. But what I have is great memories. 
You know, I, I, I still can remember um, uh, my favorite players growing up was, was Leon Maynard, Sam Hunt, uh, Tim Oxendine, uh, Harry Maynard, because those were all players that played for my dad. Uh, wow. He had, he had a, a, a kid named Tonto Hammonds, and I always thought that he was named after the uh, Native American guy on the lane, uh, on uh, the Lone, Lone Ranger. Ranger. And so that was my favorite player because I said, <laughs> hey, there's Tonto. Where's your horse? <laughs> but but the, um, uh, from there to uh, – he, he coached me in high school. And then uh, in 2003, he was inducted into the North Carolina High School Coaches Hall of Fame. What was so that he, moment like? Um, rewarding because that – because he coached during segregation, mm-hmm. you know, he he didn't um, didn't have a lot of opportunities, but he made the most of it. You know, I can remember in uh, the mid '60s, this would have been I was born in '55, so this would have been around '64, '65, '66, going to the North Carolina High School Coaches Association clinic, where they bring in these big college coaches, and yeah. um, um, coincidentally. Um, you know, I, I think I've spoken at clinic twice now. Once when I was at Oklahoma, and uh, once when I was in the NBA. But um, but when we went there, uh, my dad would leave me in the car, um, and and he'd come out and check on me. But one time he took me into a lecture, and um, all the all the minority coaches, uh, black coaches, Native American coaches, they they all sat up top in metal folding chairs, and all the white coaches sat down in the balcony seats. Um, so I still remember that. Uh, wow. I, I remember segregation. Um, and I still remember the first black player at the U- University of North Carolina, uh, Charlie Scott. Um, so that was a big part of being raised that, that I still remember. It was uh, segregation and um, how my dad handled it and the impact he had on so many lives. You know, college... So what did you learn from that, that the fact that he, how he handled it? Yeah. What did you take away from it? That it didn't stop him from succeeding, and it shouldn't stop you. You know, it's part of life. You don't have to agree with it. You certainly don't like it. Uh, it's not even important that you understand it, but it is important that you live your life mm-hmm. um, and be the best you can be. And that, that was a lesson that uh, uh, I, he, he wasn't a, a big talker. My dad was kind of quiet and reserved. Um, um I'm nothing like him as a coach. Actually, he was he was very academic, uh, extremely. His teams were very disciplined, very uh, very well coached. I think he got in for his. Coach. Oh, I think that's the same, by the way. Don't yeah. sell yourself short. Yeah, well, his coaching his coaching acumen was um, was just unbelievable. And when I became a head coach, you know, he wasn't a he wasn't one of those guys that would uh, just freely give advice. Now, if you asked him, he would. Um, but my first, I was a head coach when I was 24. Actually, I just turned 25 in college. Um, my goal was to be a high school coach and, and following his footsteps. Yeah. 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 I actually follow him. That was kind of our plan. When I finished my master's degree at Michigan state, mm-hmm. uh, I applied for a bunch of, um, assistance jobs and, and I couldn't get a job. I mean, you know, Michigan state won the national championship in 79, you know, so, uh, having, Having been at Michigan State then, and then the following year, I said, "Well, I, I, I might can get a job." The assistant coaches there was the ones who was encouraging me. I just kept getting rejection letter after rejection wow. letter after rejection letter, but um, for some reason, Coach Heathcote uh, liked me. Um, don't ask me why, but maybe he felt sorry for me. That was probably <laughs> it. Um, but he came in one day and told me about the job in Montana, 
and um, he and was you, the head coach at University of Montana for a while. Okay, and then he was at Washington State as an assistant. So that was part of his. I got his you. Neck of the woods. I'd never been west of Chicago actually. Yeah, so um, when you hear Montana, you're yeah, like, I didn't what know where is it was. What My wife Earth? pulled down the atlas, and we we had to see where it was. And and, and uh, she's way smarter than I am. First thing she did was saw a black star. I said, "What does that mean?" She said, "It means there's a U-Haul drop." <laughs> but that's how that's how wives think, especially that when you move around a lot. Sure. So, um, but my my dad was uh, my hero, and he's uh, had he been a carpenter, I'd have probably wind up being a construction worker. Is that so, right? Wow. So he he was the guy that really influenced me. So you go to Montana, mm-hmm. Montana Tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What were those early days like in Montana Tech? Well, uh, I tell people all the time, the reason they hired me as the head coach at Montana Tech, because it was such a hard, bad job. And I, and I say that with, with all respect to the engineering curriculum at yeah. uh, Montana Tech. Every degree curriculum required a minimum of 30 credits of math. When I say math, I, I don't mean Algebra 1 or Algebra 2. Um, it was, it was uh, everything dealt with the extraction of minerals from the ground. Petroleum engineering, metallurgical yeah. engineering, mining engineering, uh, and then the offshoot curriculums from that. Uh, computer. Uh, the commitment alone yeah. to that mm-hmm. and then trying to and then, focus the guys on basketball, I would imagine that yeah. that's, that's the tough but, part. But that just told you why they hired me. They had never had a winning season, uh, so but they had to have a team because they were in a conference. Yeah. So that's the way they looked at it. And, um, and so here comes this young guy. Um, and I went there as an assistant my first year. Actually, my first three months. I was there August, September, October, November, four and a half. So right before the Christmas break, the coach that I was with, uh, he and his wife um, decided they were going to go do something else. And so they just said, we're going to promote you as an interim coach. I said, okay, I don't have nothing else going. That's it, right? And, then, and at the um, end of the year, uh, I think we finished 5-22. and 22. And then after the year, they named me full-time head coach. And then the next year, we won the conference championship. We were 22 and uh, won three consecutive conference championships. And then after that's when I left and went to Washington State. So what what made the difference? Like, what did when you took over the head coaching job there? Mm-hmm. Those were the, you know, planting the early seeds of your career. What yeah. was what was the, the was, difference yeah, for you there? I, were I you was, just naive and just kind of going yeah. thing going along the way there or what? Um, well, I wasn't very good. Um, I wasn't very good at, at, at coaching. I tried hard. I tried to do the best I could. I, I'd go home and tell my, um, uh, tell Karen. I, I said, sometimes I think these guys deserve a better coach. You know, I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You know, I'm why would you say that? Because um, the coaches we were coaching against were all their 40s and 50s, and here I was, 25. I just didn't feel like I was near as. I didn't think my teams played like their teams. Um, now that was that first year. Now, the, that next summer, we didn't have a recruiting budget, so I had to recruit on the phone. And and um, um, we subscribed to some recruiting services. So I spent all my time just calling and calling and calling and calling, and um, and I got addicted to that. I mean, I, it's the only way I could recruit. And lo and behold, uh, there were some kids that uh, we could get in school and other majors. Um, but the guy that... There's three guys that were pillars in me moving forward and getting where I am today. Number one was my dad. Number two was Judd Heathcote. But lo and behold, I found number three at Montana Tech. 
He was a guy that played college basketball at Carroll College in Helena, Montana, which is state capital. Mm-hmm. But he was the vice president of um, uh, business affairs at Montana Tech. Another older guy, probably felt sorry for me. <laughs> but uh, uh, he, he said, because um, uh, he wanted a basketball program to do good yeah. uh, and be better. And he said, what do you think we need? I said, we need a curriculum that I can recruit kids to sure. that's non-engineering, that doesn't require this math. You know, every school in that league was uh, liberal arts. We were the only... Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, so I'm not saying that's why, but but before you know it, we had an OSHA degree, Occupational Safety and Health, um, where you just go in and, you know, uh, give mines or uh, engineering... Uh, areas uh, grades um yeah but we could get kids in that sure that, you could yeah that, uh, major but, a little less intimidating yeah. than all the math but the one thing i believed in daniel uh back then until this day is i got i got our kids to play hard you know i, I knew how important that was because that was something my dad uh emphasized when i was at michigan state we were so talented we had magic johnson and gregory kelser and ron charles jay vincent all those guys so from from Judd, I learned organization. Mm-hmm. Um, having a sense of humor is important, I think, as a coach. Yeah. Um, building strong relationships uh, with kids and being a professional. You know, Judd was a professional. Um, I just, you know, I always had huge basketball camps wherever I've been. At Washington State, we had 2,000 kids one summer. Uh, Oklahoma, we averaged between 250 and 400 a week. Wow. And, yeah. and I did bed check every single night. I did uh, roll call three times a day. Why? Because Judd did it, uh, and he he was his his name was on it. He wanted it done right, and uh, I I adopted that from him. But Vic Burt, uh, um, and as fate may have it, all three um, have passed away now. Mm-hmm. But I but I I never lose sight of what those three guys uh, uh, how they paved the way for me. But Judd uh, Judd and Vic. Um, and, and Vic at Montana Tech, he he went to bat uh, for me. He got us a budget. Uh, I got fifteen hundred dollars to recruit, which means I could fly to uh, to like Dallas and rent a car and drive a thousand miles. Um, but if not for uh, Vic, we wouldn't have had that. But that was a good conference. That next year we went from nowhere uh, to winning the league. Yeah. And then the following year. And then the third year, we played in the district championship game to the, go to the national tournament in Kansas City, and I was 28. And then um, one of the guys I had coached against my first year when I was 25 was the head coach at St. Martin's College in Lacey, Washington. And now he was the head coach at Washington State. And Stu Jackson was his assistant, and Stu left to go be Rick Patino's assistant at Providence. And he called me to replace uh, Stu Jackson. And I called Judd, and I said, Joe, what do you think? And Judd was, you know, Judd wasn't a um, conversationalist. He wasn't big on small talk. No so nonsense type he of said, guy. He said, uh, Kelvin, you think anybody really cares that you're winning at Montana Tech? He said, you want to be a head coach in Division One, right? I said, yes, yeah, I do. Uh, he said, well, if you want to be a head coach in Division One, you got to be at the Division One level. Nobody's yeah. going to hire you at Montana Tech. Now, um, Right after, maybe two or three weeks later, I got a call from the AD at Idaho State, and he wanted to interview me at Idaho State. And I called Judd about that, and Judd said, uh, "No, 
No, you don't want that one. <laughs> Just one word. Yeah, no, 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 no. And so I wound up going to Washington State as an assistant. And then two years later, um, Lynn Stevens was his name. Good coach, good man. He felt like he had a better chance to get to the NCAA tournament as the head coach at University of Nevada, Reno, what okay. it was called then, because Washington State was the toughest, hardest job in the Pac-10 at the time. There's so, that same that mm-hmm. same classification, so, right? Yeah. Toughest, hardest job. So uh, we won the three straight championships at Montana Tech. And then when he left to go, I was actually going to go to Iowa as an assistant for Dr. Tom Davis because he had already been working me uh, prior to that. And I told my wife that's probably what we should do. Um, and then when Lynn left to go to Nevada, Reno, I got a call from the um, – athletic director and said he had just gotten off the phone with Jed Heathcote. No kidding. Mm -hmm. And that we want to talk to you. So they wound up hiring three, uh, interviewing three people, uh, Tim Floyd, who was the head coach at Idaho, uh, Dan Fitzgerald, who was the head coach at Gonzaga. His top two assistants were Dan Monson and Mark Few. Okay. And and me, and that was the three. And all I had on my resume was Montana tech. Um, and Judd said, look, um, Washington State's by far the toughest, hardest job in the Pac-10. It's going to be hard to find somebody that will look at that as a uh, an, uh, a good opportunity because they had already done it. And he said, if you win at Montana Tech uh, in that curriculum, um, in that state, in that weather, in that uh, uh, geographical footprint, you can win at Washington State. Sure. And so that must have given you the confidence yeah, too, right? Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I was 31 years old, and Washington State hired me as the um, head coach, and and then you go. I started coaching against all these legends: Lou Olson at Arizona, Mike Montgomery at Stanford. What are you thinking at that point when you start lining up again? Uh, lining up. It's different as an assistant, yeah, right? And then you're when you're yeah, but putting you know, game plans together yeah. and all this against these Hall of Famers. But I I looked at that uh, honestly, uh, Daniel. Um, because I, I remember thinking that way uh, in the Frontier Conference against the College of Idaho. College of Great Falls had this coach named Steve Eggers. College of Idaho had a coach by the name of Marty Holly, Western Montana, Casey Kelts, uh, Northern Montana, Greg Franz. Whew, those guys were excellent coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so having coached against them um, ne- didn't never bother me. I never looked down there and said, you know, I'm – you know, Kelvin Sampson, I'm a nobody, and that's Lute Olson. Um, yeah, that prepared you. Yeah, for, for yeah. I looked out there and saw Sean Elliott and Steve Kerr and and Andy uh, uh, Anthony Cook. That's different. Tom Tolbert. Yeah, th- those guys. Now they intimidated me more than uh, uh, Luke did, but um, um, that was a that was a tough job. It took us. We lost for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first year wasn't bad. We we're close to 500. Second year, a little bit worse. Then the third year, we bottomed out. We lost 18 consecutive games. Oh my! And I and and I look back at that time. You know, like last year, winning 33 games. So, I I I, I never forgot losing 18 in a row. You know, I had two really good players. And That's I'll, just crushing, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, one broke his arm in November, and the other one had a, a mysterious bacterial. Uh, disease in his right leg and they thought I might have to amputate it but anyway I lost both of them for the year oh, man. and so I said you know what uh, I went to our AD his name is Jim Livingood who became Lute Olson's AD at Arizona mm. and I told him our situation he said uh, he never called me Kelvin he called me K-Man K-Man not worried about it 
I said, I believe in you. And uh, as the losses piled up, I was thinking, you still believe in me, K-Man? You sure? You sure you don't want to go get another guy? I mean, for sure you can get somebody and do this better than I can. But uh, No, but he understood, uh, obviously, yeah, he the situation did. what it was. He did. Yeah. And then the next year, I was the Pac-10 coach of the year. Yeah. We went 17 and 12. Then the next year, we went 22, 20. The next thing you know, I'm in Oklahoma. But, but, but did uh, that, those three years, kind of prepare you for the other stops that you'd make. Look, I mean, this isn't a, yeah. it isn't like a one-year turnaround like you had at Montana Tech. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a little time. And here, a lot, and I, and I'm a sure that prepared you for yeah, it. Yeah, in a lot of different ways because, um, um, you know, uh, being a minority and a dominant, not a predominant, a dominant white society and recruiting uh, black kids uh, to Montana, um, you learn a lot. You learn a lot about life, and you have to teach life to those kids. You, sure, you're not just a basketball coach at Montana Tech. You're a father. You're a mentor. Uh, you're a uh, over. You you you're a guy that pulls his biddies in and takes care of those kids. You yeah, you're the con- one. You've convinced them to come uh, there. So that I now can't it's, tell you that your responsibility now. I you can't feel tell like. you. My most valuable player on all those teams was Karen. I can't tell you how many times at night. Uh, we'd bring kids home, and she would tutor them at the kitchen table. Karen was really smart. Um, and she Is that would, right? Yeah, she would tutor them, um, and that's how. Because we didn't, ha- they, you know, we didn't have an athletic department like that. You know, this was an academic school. Sure. You know, kids that went to school there didn't need to be tutored. <laughs> they were smart to begin with. <laughs> right, right. So I had these kids that had to take certain classes. They had to take a zoology class. They had to take a. Um, you know, a high level, the highest level math class that they could do. Uh, but, but Karen was really good in all that stuff. Uh, yeah. So uh, she would tutor him. Then when we went to Washington State, what other people saw as difficult, we saw as an opportunity. You know, and um, uh, the. Is that kind of the mindset you've had from every step along the way from that point forward? Yeah. You, 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 don't, you don't forget who you are or where you come from. You know, when I was coaching at Oklahoma and. You know, we had that. Uh, we had a stretch that we won four Big Twelve championships, um, three in a row in the tournament, and one regular season, um, Final Four, Elite Eights, we, all, all that stuff. That was great. But I never lost sight of what balanced that was eighteen in a row. That's it, right? That just balances it. I said, never forget that. Never forget, and 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 I don't run from it. I I'm not embarrassed by it. That team did the best they could. I thought sure. we lost twelve games that year by five points or less, and we were probably underdogs by twenty some because we weren't very good. Right. You know, but uh, those kids battled. They played hard. They played together. They when got you every- signed the results the next year. Exactly, and then and then we brought in a really good recruiting class. And then by the time we left, the toughest job I've ever left was Washington State. I did not want to leave. I went kicking and screaming to Oklahoma. Is that right? Yeah. Really? Because we were going to be picked one or first or second. We went to NCAA tournament and lost in overtime to Boston College that year. And their best players was Howard Isley, Donye Abrams, Billy Curley. All three of those guys got drafted. But we had them beat. And then the next game, Boston College beat North Carolina. By 15, and they had Rashad, uh, um, uh, Rashid Wallace, mm-hmm. Jerry Stackhouse, Jeff McGinnis. But we had that Boston College team left, and I had all those kids back. And three oh, of those kids, and three of those kids got drafted into the uh, NBA off that team. But we we were either one two, one or two in the um, uh, Pac-10, and and I just wanted. To, I think we finished 10 and 8 that year, which was great in that league. Was Gary Payton was at Oregon State? And oh my, yeah. Everybody had pros, uh, but we were getting there. And next year was that next year was going to be our breakout year. But um, 
the associate senior associate AD at Oklahoma did a smart thing. Um, Cause I, I knew if I got in the, on the plane, if Karen and I got on the plane and went to Oklahoma, we'd probably do it. And that's why I kept turning down the interview and they were persistent and they knew my background in North Carolina. Uh, and they knew that Dean Smith was somebody I looked up to who had been good to me. Uh, so they had coach Smith call me on a Friday night and coach Smith, uh, didn't beat around the bush. He explained to me, this is how this works, Kelvin. <laughs> I, I, I know, um, you think you're, you're way better than Oklahoma um, because they had been down and, and you, you've got one of your best teams coming up. You've been really good for four years and you got, you can see the next cycle. Yep. But he said, what about the cycle after that? There's no guarantees. And, um, but you know, when you take a program from the ashes and build it up, you don't want to give it to anybody else. No, it's your baby. Yeah. And I, and no, I was, right. I was, uh, I was very, very anti leaving those kids. Like those kids came there. You don't go to Washington State to go to Washington State. You go there because you're the coach. That's right. You know, and so, uh, but Coach Smith called me, and next thing you know, Karen and I jumped in our minivan. Minivan. And drove down kids. to Oklahoma. No, we drove to the airport in Spokane and flew to uh, Oklahoma City, and that was on a Friday. And on Tuesday morning, we had a press conference. I never went back. Never went back. Never went back. <laughs> what did Oklahoma do for you? Oklahoma was, um, um, you know, wherever we've been, we've embraced um, the former players in the past first, because uh, I, because I'm an inclusion guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we just had our big tip-off banquet the other night. We honored Reed Geddes. Yeah, um, and there's so many former players there. Uh, back, oh, here at U of H, I mean, it's, it's yeah, wild. The history the here is 60s, crazy. Seventies and eighties, we've honored. We've honored Clyde and Elvin Hayes yep. and Otis Birdsong, but I've always, I've always, wherever I've been, I've always uh, made sure that the former players felt um, that you're part of this. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not your coach, but we, you know, we're all we're all Cougars here. You know, we're all Sooners uh, there. Yeah, it's twofold, and, right? Because mm-hmm. that's for their mm-hmm. purposes yeah. and for your players' purposes. Yeah. They get to see that history that's yeah. still connected. I would imagine that's kind of no, how you right. see it. Yeah, yeah. And the players feed off that too. They they yeah. they understand that you're going to be a former player one day. They don't get that until they're seniors, but they realize that because I they see how I I'll grab you know when Otis is in town, I'll grab him to come speak to the team. I've had Reed speak to the team, mm-hmm. uh, different guys over the years. I've had Anthony Goldwire speak to the team. Um, but when I got to Oklahoma, uh, Billy, T- I called Billy Tubbs, who was the guy that was the coach there before me and asked him some things and, um, um, you know, a guy that's leaving somewhere, uh, usually a little bitter, uh, but Billy said nothing but good things. He said, it's just my time to leave. I need mm-hmm. to leave. I've been here too long. You know, how long was he there? 18 years. Oh, wow. And then yeah, he left and went to be the head coach at TCU. Okay. And um, change of scenery. Yeah. yeah. But it was the big eight then. There was only eight schools, and I think we were, I think we were picked to finish eighth. Um, oh, well, it's um, from the bottom then. Yeah. Yeah, we were picked to finish eighth, and um, that was one of the uh, craziest uh, years. Um, and that's when I started wearing those blue shirts. Was during that year, because we had we just got blown out at Kansas by twenty seven. It wasn't nearly that close. Um, Roy took his starters out, and I kept mine in. I said, "We're gonna get this thing down." <laughs> so, so that's good. Uh, but we had six games left, and all six teams were ranked teams. Kansas had to come to our place. 
Oklahoma State, who went to the Final Four that year, Missouri twice. Eddie I, Sutton, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Missouri, Norm Stewart. And then we had to play at Iowa State on Fred Hoiberg's senior day. Oh, man. That's our six games. And you know what, Daniel? We, be, we came within my best free throw shooter was shot 89%. Had he made a one-and-one, one, we would have won all six. Beat Kansas on Big Monday, the day they got named number one in the nation. We beat Oklahoma State. We beat Missouri at home. We won at Iowa State on uh, Hoiberg Senior Day. The referees were crying during the ceremony. I knew we were in trouble. Oh, no. Um, and then um, we lost to Missouri on their senior day. and But we were up uh, two with seven seconds to go. And my best free throw shooter is the line. He makes the one and one. We're up by four. And, the game's you know, over? Yeah, the game basically is over. And he missed it, and they tied it, and we lost in overtime. So. <sighs> That's how close we were to winning all six. And um, so, what has it been then? What? How? Why do you think you've been able to connect with these teams that you've been on? What makes it successful? I know you. You know you. You give credit to the players. I, yeah. I get it. But what has it been your recipe for success? You think yeah. and able to connect with some of these kids that some of them you didn't recruit, but yeah. they still buy into what you're selling. Yeah. Well, I, I don't like talking about uh, myself. No, I know. I'm not saying that to be modest. I just don't. So I'll, I'll talk in third person. That's I'll, fine. I'll That's tell, fine. I'll tell you what I would talk say to a young coach. Sure. That here's what I think you need to do. Yeah. And, and take it as this is what we do. Um, first of all, you have to know who you are. You know, a lot of guys uh, fail at coaching because they try to be somebody that they like as a coach. They try to be this guy. So – who, who are you? What is your temperament? Uh, what are the things you believe in? Um, how can you get your kids to see it? You know, if you close your eye, eyes and look at the back of your eyelids, what does your team look like? I've always been able to do that. I, I, know yeah. what, I know what I want them to look like. And then getting them from point A to point B. Uh, but not getting to point B until you're really, really good at point A. You know, if you look at these at this board, now that might look like jibber-jabber up there. But, <laughs> no, but has, there's a purpose yeah, to it, there's, yeah. There's a lot of, uh, that's a very organized chaosity board, if that's a word. <laughs> What's um, now? It, yeah. we, you've coined it. So. Yeah, so um, just believing in things. At, at yeah. Montana Tech, we, we weren't very good. But I said, you know, if we can't be – we can't have great talent. We can always have great effort. Uh, and, and getting kids to buy into that by building great relationships. You can't have withdrawals without deposits. You know, mm-hmm. you can't get something from them without giving them something. they got to know you love them. Caring about it is, no, is not enough. Most people can fake care, but you can't fake love. they got to know you love them. That's why the toughest nights for me every year of my coaching career is always senior night. Sure. Because I hate to see those guys leave because of the investment we've made in them. Um, yeah. And, and they're special. Uh, they're special to me. There's not a – my favorite thing about coaching, uh, Daniel, is um, uh, like my phone is on silent. But uh, there's probably an email, a text, something from a former player. Uh, during the course – Montana Tech, Washington State, Oklahoma, Indiana, NBA, Houston – uh, I'm constantly, all those players, they're, they're always checking, always telling uh-huh. you, got a new baby. What, we just bought a new house. Uh, my dad died. Some, but they, they always reach out and feel the need to include me. But that's what coaching is all about. Um, yeah. I get evaluated. Family. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we've built here. You know, I tell recruits all the time, you know, probably my most important employee here that people don't know about is my daughter because of what she does to keep us relevant 12 months a year. Yep. You know, she's important. I tell young coaches all the time, hire someone on your staff that's a social media, graphic design, uh, community expert. Oh, Somebody that's so not a coach. That is, today you have to do it. Yep. Um, and she's Messaging. At, Messaging is huge, I would imagine. Absolutely. Uh, my son, uh, the uh, associate head coach, yep. uh, I have two former players, uh, three former players, four, <laughs> Kellen, McHale, Qantas, and Hollis. Uh, Alvin, somebody I've known um, for a long time who I have a lot of respect for. Uh, Casey Beard, my video guy who worked with me in Canada when we were, um, I was helping Jay Triano with the Canadian senior national team. And then everybody else, we move up. Yep. You, you don't really see a lot, not – did I have anything? I was an outsider at Michigan State. That's how I got hired. So I have nothing against it. No, no, no. Exactly. But, I, but we've rate, we've created such a family culture here that when we have openings, we just move up from within. Culture is a big word. Yeah. I know for all successful coaches, programs, I mean, it's all about that culture mm-hmm. that you create. Well, the other day I got a, uh, a text from um, uh, Chris Pesman, and he told me that our APR was 1,000. And I sent him back a one-word response. said, culture. That's why, you know, that's it. We hold, you know, we, we hold we hold kids accountable and uh, demanding. Um, we don't negotiate. We don't discuss. Here's the way it's going to be done, and it's done that way. Yeah, you know, and they and if you recruit high character kids, you can get away with it. If you take chances on low character kids, it it makes it harder. Mm-hmm. So a big key to our success wherever we've been is we've always recruited great kids. What, since we talked about every single stop, what did you learn from Indiana when you stepped away from the game, when you went to the NBA, that that period mm-hmm. in your life? Um, what was the biggest takeaway that you had from that time? Well, um, when that started, um, um, I think I stepped away on a Friday afternoon and then Friday night, I got a call from Greg Popovich. Mm-hmm. That was Friday night, uh, literally Friday night. Um, were you surprised that he called you that quick? Uh-uh. uh-uh. No, he, he and I were really good friends. Okay. Uh, we talked a lot. A um, lot like Rick, Tubby Smith, all those guys, Calipari. Those are the guys I talked to the most, actually. I talked to Cal yesterday. You ever watch that uh, TV show, uh, The Last Alaskans? You know no, what that is no. You know, I've never heard of it. Actually, no. well, Cal and I love it. He, oh, is that we're, right? We're always exchanging texts about it. The last Alaskans. Uh-huh. Okay, and he just sent me a hat. Out. He sent me a hat. Had all of them signed it and sent it to me. No kidding. Yeah, that's cool. That is that, really that's neat. Really cool. Um, what channel is that on, by the way? Uh, History Channel. Okay. Um, I'll check it out. There's another one on the Learning Channel called um, Mountain Men. I love that one too. I've heard of that. I haven't seen it, but I've heard yeah, of that one. Yeah, I like. I feel. I feel a connection. To all those guys. <laughs> I don't so much. I don't watch a lot of other stuff. But um, when when the uh, when we started on that new journey, um, I've got such a great wife. Karen would say, uh, you know, there's a silver lining, and we got to find it. You know, we'll, we'll, we're going to find it. We don't know what it is right now. Uh, we we don't know if it's up there, but it is, and we'll find it. And for us, it was the NBA. You know. Um, um, and not everybody's as lucky as I was either. I mean, it was such a blessing. Um, the night that 
uh, Pop called me. He wanted me to uh, be in San Antonio the next day. Wow. But I couldn't be in San Antonio the next day because I, I, was, I was headed to Atlanta to meet with my uh, agent, and we were going to map some things out. And so I, I, I went to uh, Atlanta on a Monday, then I flew from Atlanta, I think, on Tuesday or Wednesday uh, to San Antonio, and um, he, he picked me up at the airport. Popped wow. in. He picked me up at the airport, and he drove me right to the Omni Hotel, which is three miles away from the practice facility where his offices are and where they base out of. I'd never been to any of that stuff. And um, he gave me the keys to a car. Uh, he told me, here's what we're going to do. This is what you're going to get. Um, and he says, by the way, what title do you want? <laughs> he said, I it's said, like getting what? a blank check. Yeah. What title do you want? Yeah. And, and um, he put me behind the bench. Uh, we're in coaches. I was in every coach's meeting. This was in late, Feb uh, late February, I think. Uh, Mid-February. Mm -hmm. Mid-February. February, yeah. So February, March, April. Um, we're in the playoffs against Phoenix. And then um, by that time, uh, it, it was, things just started popping. Mark Jackson was interviewing for the job with the Knicks. Uh, he wanted to, uh, me to go with him, be his top assistant. Um, Scott, Opportunity started opening mm, up, yeah. Scott Skiles uh, was going to take one of two jobs. He was also in the running for the Knicks. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, he had just left the Chicago Bulls. He wanted me to come with him. Um, there was, I had four. I can't remember the other two. Uh and then Pop, Pop wanted me to just wait. And, but uh, I went ahead and did the Milwaukee. When Scott got Milwaukee, he called me right away. He said, I want you to come uh, sit on the bench with me because I think you can help us. So when I took the job with the Milwaukee Bucks, I had to leave the Spurs because you can't be employed with another team and work for another team. Yeah, right. So yeah. I, I went with uh, Milwaukee. And uh, you know what it was? was, was a, uh, it's like taking a sabbatical. And going somewhere to sharpen your blade to see how much in the uh, NBA, yeah, yeah, but I, but you don't know what you don't know. I, I didn't know how unqualified I was to help a team win. I wasn't good enough. I, I just wasn't good enough to to um, be a head coach in the NBA. And I thought I was, mm. but I was not. I, I wasn't prepared. I didn't different know challenges. Enough. Different. I didn't, I didn't know the rule. I didn't even know there was an eight second rule to get the ball half court. I didn't know that. <laughs> right. I mean, little things that you didn't know. Like the two nine, the the defensive three second rule. I knew there was a defensive three seconds, yeah. but I wasn't sure how to do it. But why would I? I never, I never needed to know it. But every day, uh, I had a yellow legal pad, and uh, uh, I had a pencil, a paper and pencil in my pocket. I'd write stuff down. Then I would go at night. I was by myself, uh, and I didn't like going out. I just stayed in that room every night, and I would just write, and I'd write, and I'd write, and I'd write. I'd write everything I learned. Um, that day. Yeah, and I started pulling those uh, perforated sheets out um, and making a, um, not a journal. It was, it was more of a, um, uh, maybe a lesson plan. I started doing a table of contents with offense, defense, scout reports, this, 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 this. But every day. Uh, Mike Budenhauser, who's the coach for the Bucks now. Yep. Uh, Brett Brown, who's coach of the 76ers. Donnie Newman, who worked for me for five years at Washington State as my assistant, was assistant with Pop. Um, I just learned so much from those guys. I, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. But after my uh, first year in Milwaukee, uh, second year in Milwaukee, I started getting calls uh, from NBA teams. 
about uh, interviewing for head jobs. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I just dis- I was I became so disconnected from college. Mm. When I say disconnected, the only thing I followed in college basketball was um, I had two former assistants that were head coaches in Kellen, uh, Kent State, University of Detroit, and Appalachian State. That's it. That's it. That is it. I didn't watch college games. I didn't talk to anybody associated with college, but my, my uh, friends. And you find out who your friends are now when you go through something like that. Um, but it was uh, such a blessing to, to be able to. And I tell I, I tell Rick and uh, Cal had done it at New Jersey. Yep. Uh, then when he got fired, he was <clears throat> he did the same thing I did with Larry Brown in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it was such a blessing to to do that. But what I what I learned what I learned is um, it was an affirmation of sorts that the stuff because there's so many similarities in the way Pop runs San Antonio and the way I run our programs. Is that right? So many similarities. He he's a college coach. I mean, every day I'd go in. He said, "How?" Are you? I said, "Pop." The only thing different is you guys don't go to class. <laughs> you don't have to worry about guys graduating yeah. or right, recruiting. Right. But in terms of coaching his team, very similar. And I knew that because he and I spent 36 days together when we were both assistant coaches with George Carl with the world championship team in um, 2002 in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in San Francisco, Portland, and Indianapolis um, in training. And yeah. the competition was in um, Indianapolis. So I knew Pop well, and we became really good friends. I mean, close friends. I took my staff down to San Antonio for training camp, you yeah. know, and he, and he would um, bring, bring roll out the red in. carpet. And yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. It'd be our staff and his staff. We just started exchanging sure. ideas. And, um, so when you got to U of H, it's just like new life. This opportunity came up mm, and well, you felt like this yeah, was the right time to jump back into college. And I, I didn't know about that, Daniel. Uh, the only, I think the only, if my father had not passed away, I don't think I would have come back to college. Uh, thinking back, there was the, the stars were aligning. Uh, Kellen, the guy that Kellen was working for at Appalachian State, had just gotten fired, so he was unemployed. Mm. Uh, Lauren was in a job making pretty good money, but she didn't like it. She's pharmaceutical sales. She yeah. didn't like that. Um, it's not that as. And I was in the NBA. Yeah. You know, so every you know we were like constellations, just circling, all over the place, all yeah. over the place. You know, Karen and I had a home in North Carolina. That was our that was our base. Uh, Kellen was in uh, uh, Boone. Uh, Lauren was staying with Karen in North Carolina, and here I was in Milwaukee and now Houston. Yep. So I was the head coach for the uh, Rockets. I think for 15 games or so. Yeah. Minus one or two, I can't remember. But it. But when my dad died, I was the head coach, interim head, well, the acting head coach, I guess you'd say. Kevin's mother had just passed away. And so I, Daryl came to me and said, you, we want you to be the head coach. And um, so I had to team out, and we were on the West Coast swing. We were getting ready to play. Uh, we were in Los Angeles getting ready to play the Lakers, and we were just finished practicing at UCLA. And I went back to my um, – we are staying in Beverly Hills, and I went back to the hotel, and I remember going up to the room, and I just put the phone and called Dad and had a great talk with him, mm. unusual talk with him because um, – my agent had just called me in the last two weeks, and he said, hey, I'm getting, uh, um, I won't name the name of the colleges, but there's three schools that have, um, um, want to ascertain your interest level, basically. 
Um, now, two of them don't want to interview. They want they just want to hire you. Oh, geez. Yeah. Wow. And um, I said, no, 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 Brett. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't think that's uh, – I'm not interested in that. Uh, and he knew it. He was just calling to just keep – Doing me, his job. Doing yeah. his job. Yeah. But um, Bill Worrell uh, was the U of H guy. He was the guy that, that was recruiting me the hardest. So every time we get on the plane oh, after geez. a game, here comes Bill Worrell. <laughs> you know, I, I sat on the aisle – uh, Kevin, Kevin would sit. He and I were side by side because we talked all the time. So Bill would come and get by me and sit here. Oh and, man! And and just he was he was the ace recruiter for you. He tell me why he said this school is a sleeping giant. They haven't had this this and this. They need you to do this this and this. It can you can do this. No, no, I appreciate you, brother. Did you start sitting by the window at that point? Yeah. Or no? <laughs> yeah. Or go sit beside Kevin. That, there you go. Yeah. But um, I called my dad, and I and uh, I just said, "Hey, uh, Dad, I got a call from Brett today, and he was telling me about uh, these schools, and and he, you know, he he just started talking like um, I'd never heard him talk before. You know, he's not, you know, he was a depression baby. You know, guys that were uh -huh. born in the late twenties and early thirties, their parents they were raised in the depression, yeah. and so well, you had but, said too that he was." You know, kind of a soft-spoken yeah, guy too, and then, yeah. And, it, and and those kind of guys don't usually give um, uh, give praise. He he would never say. You know, his idea of giving me praise would be, you know, he never called me Kelvin. He always called me fella. He said, <laughs> "Your team played good tonight, fella." That was his way of saying you you're yeah. doing a good job. But uh, in that conversation, it was unique because he was very, very specific about what he thought about. Um, me as a college coach and why he thought that that's what I should do. Go back. Yeah. And, and for him to be that strong about it, because Karen, Karen was kind of anti-college too. You know, we, we, you know, we, after we all the burnt. stuff he went yeah. through. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's yeah. no doubt. And, uh, so, so, um, uh, I don't, I don't remember how it happened, but I, I wound up, uh, agreeing to meet with, um, Mac and Hunter, I think, and we met at a hotel around here somewhere. Yeah, I think it was out there toward Hobby, but nobody knew about it. Obviously, it was one of those clandestine deals. <laughs> and we'll go up to the room. And, you know, there was going to be a front a key at the front desk under, oh, Charlie, man. under Charlie Brown, like CIA, FBI yeah, type stuff. Oh stuff. shoot! So I went up there, and um, um, I, I'd never been on this campus before, so I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know who their players were. They started talking about some of the players are coming back. You might as well have said Roy Rogers and Trigger's coming back. I wouldn't. I didn't know the difference. Or Tonto. Yeah, or Tonto and, <laughs> and Lone Ranger. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, I, I, uh, we, we decided to do it. But the big reason why was my dad, Keller being unemployed and getting, um, putting Lorne. Lorne was the um, director of sports marketing at the College of Charleston. And she left there to take a job at Indiana when we were there. Mm. So that, that messed us all up all the way around. But um, but that's how that's happened. So final question, as you head into another season, highly anticipated mm -hmm. campaign after what you guys did last year, how much fun are you having? I, you know, um, from the time uh, when October rolls around, your life changes as a coach because you're almost like a big old brown bear. You jump in the uh, cave in October, and then you hibernate. <laughs> until the spring 
Yeah. So you think about this is why foot, basketball is so much more difficult than football. Football is a one semester sport. So our guys start school in, in August, September, right? Yep. Well, it's first semester, they're done. That's it. You know, there is no school during bowl season. You start off up in January. But basketball, we cross semesters. So academics is important first semester. Academics is important second semester. Summer school becomes important. So, um, uh, so many things transpire over the course of uh, six months. October, November, December, January, February, March. We have a six-month. We work our ass off for six months uh, to succeed the next six months. Um, but as far as fun, this is the, by far, Daniel, and this is why I stayed here at the end of the day. You don't mess with happy. I, I've taken jobs. I was happy at Washington State, but I got talked into going to Oklahoma, and I'm glad I did. I was happy at Oklahoma. But for some reason, um, the appeal of coaching at a basketball school, a, a power, a giant, um, uh, I didn't get talked into it, but I got persuaded into it. Mm -hmm. I, I made the decision. It's on me. It's nobody sure. else. But I did that. And so when this one came around, last year it was Orlando Magic. I remember talking to John and Jeff about that. And we almost did that. But um, I, And that's the only thing left to check on my resume. I really, I really wanted to be a head coach in the NBA. I wanted to coach a team in the NBA because I thought I could. I thought I would succeed at it. After uh, your time there, you felt yeah, like, yep. I, I evolved it. I wasn't ready to start. Ooh, that bad. But I, but I got to where I was. I could do that. I knew how to do it. I knew how to manage the last two minutes. I knew how to manage film on the road. I, time. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I felt I could. And that's why Orlando intrigued me. Mm -hmm. This is the last box. You know, what are we going to do at Houston? That, um, but, you know, I looked over there. You know, Kellen and Tanya and Maisie, good spot in their lives. Um, uh, Lauren, poof, she had a great spot in her life and happy and caring. And, you know, sometimes you just got to put other people in front of you. You got you to be selfish in your decisions. Well, when you're 62 uh, years old at the time, I think I was, I said, you know what, that, that time's passed for me. You know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm happy here. Do I want to coach in the NBA? Yeah, but that's more of a selfish thing. I said, I, I, I like here. And then last year, um, a lot of people think about Arkansas. It was Arkansas, but it was somebody else, too, uh, that was in there. A lot of people oh, didn't, that right? yep. didn't, didn't know about that, that was kind of moving down a, a road. But it's the same thing. You're happy here. I like it here. I, I like it here. I, I like the University of Houston. I'm, I'm not... I'm not one of those quote unquote big time guys. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, we all start somewhere, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Well, at the end of the day, I'm Montana Tech. You know, I'm, I'm, um, uh, uh, the tenth school in a ten team league, Washington State. That's who I was. I, I'm the same guy. I, I lost eighteen in a row. Yeah. Eighteen in a row. I, I'm that guy. You know, so I've never, um, I've never really had an ego about this stuff. Never really cared about, um being out front or, or, or do, I, that, I don't care about, I just never have. Uh, that's why uh, one of the guys I, I really admired when I was in the NBA, um, we, I spent five days with him in Taiwan, Taipei, and um, um, Philippines, uh, Manila. Uh, it was Houston and the Pacers was Larry Bird. Mm. You know, yep. um, it seemed like every, it was Indiana and Houston. We played 
in Manila we played in, and those uh, tours that you yeah, did, yeah those foreign tours and for some reason Larry and I would just we gravitate to each other and uh, he is the most selfless uh, anti I I me 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 person and and um, I've always appreciated that about him uh, and so when these other jo- opportunities came up I thought about it I looked at it and then I looked at what I had and where I was and I said I'm cool. Yeah, I'm happy here. I don't know why I, I would leave. Money, I'm not going to live forever. You know, yeah. I'm already 64. <laughs> yeah, right. So how much more do you need? You know, I'm, I don't. I can only drive one car. I got a lake house, so that's an indulgement. Yeah, I you guess. can water ski. That's yeah. good. You still love, water love, ski. Love to ski. Yeah, yeah. Love to. Uh, 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 got a nice boat. Perfect. Yeah, got a boat. Got a nice dock. And stuff. you got a university here who was very happy that yeah. you stayed. No yeah. question about that. Yeah. I know everybody's very fired up for it. You got yeah. a brand new building they're going to play in again. Yeah. Um, and we got good players. Yeah. Um, good fun team. Yeah. And, and I think we're set up, Daniel, to be good um, for a long time. But I also know that the enemy of good is great. You know, and I, I or the enemy of great is good. And and uh, you know, as we go along, I don't I don't want people to. Um, Compare us to other schools. I, I, you know, be good who you are. You know, don't look and say, "Well, we're better." I, I don't ever, ever, ever look at other coaches or schools uh, as far as we're concerned. When we play uh, the NCAA tournament, Georgia State, I thought we were good enough to win that game. When we played Ohio State, I thought if we played good, we'd win. Um, Kentucky, I thought if we played good, we'd win, uh, and that, and that's where I want to get the program. No matter where we play. On a neutral court, now home home court is an advantage, but on a neutral court, I just want us to get to where when we play good, we have a chance to win, and that's where we're really headed in that direction. Kelvin Sampson, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, Go spend some time with your granddaughter before the season starts. Yeah, I know. (laughs) What time is it? Yeah, thanks, (laughs) Daniel. Yeah, thank you.